So glad you're here today. It's uh, always a special time when we gather as Vertical Church. The Lord is in this place. Amen. Um, his presence is here. His spirit is here. His word is alive. He's called us out of the darkness into his light. He's made us his own special people called for a purpose. And we gather here with that intentionality today to hear him speak to us, to change us, to be different. Amen? So it's always a special day at Vertical. And uh, today is a little different than most Sundays because at the end of my message today, we're going to have a wedding. Amen. Amen? Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And you'll see how we're going to tie all of that together with the Christmas story today. So um, ladies, if you need a Kleenex or two, this is your moment to start looking for those because you might want them a little later. The essence of what it means to even be a Christian is that we have hope. Amen? That we look for something better in our tomorrow than where our past has been and even where we are today. It's not just hope someday in heaven. We have that too. But it is hope in this life. It is hope for something greater in my later today and my tomorrow, my actual tomorrow than today because I am clearly aware of God's presence and purpose in my life. And he has hope for me in that. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That no matter what you have done in your past, no matter what sin you've been involved in, no matter what heartache or despair has come your way, that there is forgiveness for those sins there is redemption from that life, and there is a brand new life that awaits you in Jesus Christ, no matter where you've been. Amen? That is the hope that we have in him. Because God sees in the darkness we've been in. He has a purpose for us in the future, and it is a good purpose. Because he is a good God. Every man and woman in the Bible of faith had that kind of hope. Not just for Sunday, but for something God would do in their life. Something unique in their lifetime for their circumstances, for their setting, for them. Whether it was Noah or Moses or Esther or Ruth or Nehemiah or Isaiah, any of them. God had a plan for their life. He had a purpose for their life. He was going to do something good in their lifetime. Not just someday, but in their lifetime. And as a result, they lived with a confident expectation and hope of that happening. Now, it's sad to me that many Christians live without that kind of hope that in their life, in their lifetime that they would see God do something. It seems that as Christians often, we actually avoid having a great dream for our life. That God would do something good in our lifetime, in us, through us, and around us. And I know everybody's a little different places because of that, and they might think, well, you know, I don't want to have too grand a dream out there because, you know, what if it didn't come to pass? Look, if God gives you a dream, it will come to pass. 
You don't have to fear that you're going to come up with too big a dream because I promise you that the one that God has for your life is bigger than what you'd ever come up with on your own. Some people think, well, I don't know, you know, I, I just don't know that God's really going to bring that to pass in my lifetime. I understand. There are some in the Bible who died not having yet seen their dreams fulfilled. But listen, God did fulfill their dreams. It might have been in their children or their grandchildren or future generations, but what God starts, he always finishes. He always completes. He always keeps his promises. And it's sad to me that some people think, well, I just don't know that it would ever come to pass a dream. I just don't know that it could ever be better. That's sad because hope is here in Jesus. Hope is for us today. And if you live with your life taking faith and segment it out away so that you think faith is just for like this Sunday experience, but it has nothing to do with my relationships and my purpose and my work and my marriage and my family. If you live without that connection, I understand you won't have a dream and a hope, but God has called us to hope in him and a dream in him so that in your marriage, you can have hope in this life for something greater tomorrow than where you are today. Because you're called to a grand purpose in your marriage. But if you live thinking, well, God's not part of it and I just don't see him in it, look, you will get what you are believing. And if you believe he's not in it, not working, not blessing, not providing, guess what? He's not in it, not working, not blessing, not providing. But if you believe and you understand, God has called my wife and I, my husband and I together. There is a purpose bigger than us. He has promised to bless us, keep us, work in our life, shape our lives, and make his face shine upon us. If you believe that, you will have hope in this life. You'll have a reason to get up and face your day. You'll have a reason to have conversations in your marriage because you're aware that God is present and he's working in it. Amen? And you'll look for him in it. Look, marriage is challenging enough with faith. But if you're trying to live it without your faith connected to it, you'll wake up and think, what on earth am I doing in this marriage? Uh-oh, did I get too close to home? You might wake up and think, I'm out of here. This is not working for me. Look, God has called you to hope in him. Don't bail on what God has joined together. You're going to see the purpose and power of that later today in our message. Any other area of life, the same is true. When it comes to parenting, parenting is challenging, period. With faith, it's still challenging. But if you're trying to live parenting out without trusting God, without a purpose, without a reason, you're really going to check out on the whole deal. You'll be looking forward to the day them kids are out of here. <laughs> but if you have faith and you have a purpose in your parenting and you realize that every moment is a choice, every moment is, a, is an action and an opportunity to raise your children up to be followers of Jesus Christ and to change a generation and to change the future, that will give you hope in your parenting. Amen? When it comes to even your work and career, if you're living in your work and career without any connection of faith in it, if there's no part that you understand God is at work in or God's present in it, your job will be an absolute beating to you. 
You'll be ready to get out of it, check out of it, be done with it. You'll see no purpose in it. But if you understand God has a purpose for your life, if you understand he is the one who places you where he places you, if you understand he has called you to be light in the darkness, if you understand you have been called to be an ambassador for him, you will get up and face your work with purpose, with confidence and the awareness that he is active. He is blessing. He is the one who is in it. This is the kind of hope you and I are called to, and this is what comes our way through Jesus. Our message today is called Hope Has a Dream. I hope by the end of this time together today that you will begin to understand something of the dream that God has for you in this life as well as in the life to come. Now, to help see that, we're going to look in Luke chapter 2 today. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to see what it means to have a dream, to see a man who had a dream, and what God did it in his life. We've been talking about this idea of hope, and let me just redefine what we're calling hope. We use hope often here in our regular everyday conversations as, um, you know, it'd be nice if it happened. You know, I hope the weather's nice. I hope I get whatever for Christmas. That's a wish. That's, a, it'd be nice if, that would be, you know, be cool if it happened. Look, the Bible does not use hope in that way at all. When the Bible uses hope, it uses it to refer to a confident expectation that it will happen. Not a maybe, not a it'd be nice, not it'd be cool if, not I just would like it to. No, but a confident expectation that it will happen. Anytime you see the word hope, Old Testament, New Testament, that is what you see. This confident expectation, it will happen. We understand that. It changes some things. You understand that. Then you don't pray asking God, will you be with me? No, you understand God has promised he's already with you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's different. You don't have to pray asking God to keep your soul. He's already promised that if you put your faith in him, you have put, you've been put into him and he will never let anything or anyone snatch you out of his hand. You don't have to ask him to keep you. You can thank him that he already keeps you. Amen? You don't have to even ask him, stay with me here, You don't have to ask him to bless you because he's already promised he's blessed you in Jesus Christ. You thank him that he's blessed you already and you look for those blessings. Amen. This is what the Bible talks about when it says hope. So Luke chapter 2, we see a man here who had that kind of hope. Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. I love the fact that it's just a guy. There was a man. It's just a guy. It doesn't go off on some tangent about how this man was wealthy, this man was powerful, this man was whatever. He's just a man, a man in Jerusalem. Whoever you are, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ and be changed. And there was a man. In Jerusalem, among all the many men and women that were there, this one man, his name was Simeon. It's interesting because Simeon's name means to 
pay attention or to listen. I love that. To pay attention, to listen to God. This man, Simeon, it goes on in verse 25, and it says, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. This man was living by faith. This man was living out his faith. He believed it, and he was living it out. He wasn't Sunday only. He wasn't only in a crisis. This man lived by faith. And when you live by faith, the Bible says that is what makes you righteous. You don't stack up a bunch of good behavior and then God say, oh, you're righteous. No, he says those who walk by faith, they are declared righteous. And this man, he's that. But what's interesting, it says he is waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, that's another way of saying he was waiting for Jesus, but he didn't know what to call him yet. So he called him the consolation of Israel. Consolation is the word that means to console, to comfort, to have hope. He was waiting for someone to come. He was waiting for God's promises to come true because his nation was hurting Israel was in a difficult spot. They were not the majority ruling group in their own nation. They had had others come in who had taken over. They had others come in who were dominating the government. They had others come in who looked down on them and oppressed them and were making their laws and raising their taxes and oppressing the people of God. And life was hard if you were an Israelite. And this man, Simeon, knew the promises of the Old Testament. And he said, God, when are you going to bring relief? But he didn't just ask when. He believed it was coming. And so he was waiting. There's a difference between asking when and waiting. If you ask when, you're really not even confident that it's going to. But when you wait, you wait with purpose because you know it's going to happen. It's coming. It's confident hope. It's not a wish. It's not a dream. It's confident hope. It's going to happen. God will keep his promises. Simeon knew what Isaiah wrote. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He knew Isaiah's words that said of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of, his, of David and over his kingdom, he will order it and establish it with justice and from this time forward and forever. And he knew that that passage said in the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. He will do it. He will bring it to pass. He knew that even while earthly governments seemed to dominate the people of Israel, he knew there was one who reigned over all governments. 
the king of kings, and he trusted in him, and he waited for him. He was waiting for the day. He knew there would be a king. He knew there would be a savior. So he was waiting. And the last part of 25 says, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Mm. Simeon, a man living before Acts chapter 2, had the Holy Spirit upon him. I think the Holy Spirit was upon him because he was living with expectation and hope. When you live with the assurance that the presence of God is with you, you know what you're going to see in your life? The presence of God with you. When you live looking for God's hand, guess what you're going to see? God's hand in your life. When you live looking for God's blessing in your life, guess what you're going to see? God's blessing in your life. When you live looking for God's will to unfold in your life, guess what you're going to see? God's will unfold in your life. When you live to see how good God is, guess what you're going to see? How good God is. Because when you live with hope, you will see that hope. But if you're living and believing, I'm not sure if God's with me. I'm not sure if God's for me. I'm not sure God's will is going to show up in my life. I'm not sure he really is good. I promise you, you won't see him. You won't hear him because you're dismissing him. He calls us to come by faith believing he is good. And when you do, you will see him be good in your life. Amen? And the Holy Spirit was on this man, Simeon. But here's where the dream kicks in for this man. Verse 26. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This man, Simeon, was tuned in with God. This man, Simeon, knew God's word. This man, Simeon, was listening to the Spirit of God, and as a result, he had a dream. He had a vision. He had a hope that God had given him. Simeon, look here. You're not going to die before you see my plan come to pass. You're going to see the Lord's anointed one come to earth. Simeon, it will happen in your lifetime. You will not die until this happens. And Simeon grabbed hold of that dream and he lived with it. And when you live with a dream, it changes everything. Simeon wasn't afraid of that dream. Simeon didn't say, I don't know, that's just kind of big, you know. I just think I'm not going to really see that really happen in my life. Simeon didn't say, well, I just don't know that you can believe God will really do that kind of thing in my lifetime. Simeon held to it. He knew God's word. He knew God's promises, and he believed to it. He believed it, and he held to it. You and I should not be afraid of grabbing a promise of God and holding to it and walking in it in our life because hope does that. It sees the promises of God's word. It holds to them. It believes them, and it walks in them. And this man, Simeon, did just that. He was close to God. He heard God speak, and God spoke to him and said, Simeon, you're going to see my anointed one in your lifetime. And he held to that. A great dream. 
you have any great dreams in your life? Do you have some things that you're praying for that will happen in your lifetime? I'm not talking about random stuff like you wanting a new, shiny new truck dually, you know? I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about you wanting some fancy new jewelry or a giant house. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about stuff that has far greater treasure and wonder to it than all that. I'm talking about stuff like a dream for that family member that you've been praying for to surrender their heart and be healed by God. That's a dream. I'm talking about a dream for that family member that's far away from God to come to him and surrender their heart to him. That's a dream. I'm talking about the presence of God in your marriage, so rich, so close, that you're drawn together in deep intimacy like you've never experienced before, that kind of closeness, that kind of sense of purpose for you and your wife, you and your husband together. That's a dream that's worth more than any tangible physical treasure here on this earth. Amen? I'm talking about a dream for your children to rise up and call on the name of the Lord and walk in his ways and change the future and be the future heroes of the faith. That's the kind of dream I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of dream that makes your heart come alive and say, I want to pursue God. I want to chase after him. I want to see his blessings in my life. I want every part of my heart that hurts to be healed. I want to see everything that he wants to do in my life happen. I'm talking about that kind of dream because that's the kind of dream that has real hope to it. Amen? I'm talking about the kind of dream that you say, I want my life to matter. I want the relationships that I have to have purpose to them. I want my work to count. I want the hours that I spend with the people around me to impact them so that the Spirit of God works through me. That's the kind of hope God calls us to. That's the kind of dream that's tangible in this lifetime that's grander than any other physical tangible thing you could put a dollar to. Amen? That's the kind of thing Simeon saw. God said, Simeon, I'm going to begin a redemption of my people. And it's going to be bigger than what you can imagine. And Simeon, you're going to see it begin in your lifetime. And Simeon held to that. Let me tell you, Christian, if God puts a dream on your heart, and it's square with his word, and it comes from his spirit, write that thing down. Grab a hold of it. Chase it. Pursue it. Believe it. Have hope in it. Not wishing hope, confident hope that what God says he will do. Amen? Simeon had a dream that he would see the Lord's anointed Verse 27 says, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. Now, what's interesting is the Scripture doesn't tell us whether Simeon was a priest, high priest, or just a man living in Jerusalem. From the first part that I read already, it seems like he was just a guy. What we're about to read tells me he might have been a priest. But what the fact is that it doesn't address it is that it's not important. He was a man living in Jerusalem. 
waiting for hope, living with a dream. And because he was living with a dream bigger than himself, he was led by the Spirit. So I don't know if he was going into the temple because he was going to work that day because that's what he was as a priest, or if it was just a day he said, you know what? I feel God prompting me, leading me today to get up and go to the temple. Whichever of those it is, it really doesn't matter. The fact is, Simeon was moved and led by the Spirit of God. He, he had a lot of reasons to not be led by the Spirit of God. He could have easily have said, dude, we are living in such difficult days. Our government is corrupt. The leaders are so absorbed in themselves. Taxes are way too high. Inflation out of control. You know where I'm headed here. <laughs> Simeon could have said all of that. Simeon could have said, we are, we're being oppressed. We're being neglected. We're not having our freedoms. And our future looks miserable. Simeon could have believed all of that and said, God working right. Simeon could have said, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hide. I'm just gonna be silent. I'm just gonna pull away. It's too dark. It's too difficult. What does faith even matter right now? But Simeon didn't do that. Simeon could have said, you know, it's been 400 years since God has spoken through a prophet. There hasn't been any kind of fresh revelation in 400 years. That's how long it is between the Old Testament closing and the New Testament opening, by the way. For us, it's a page turn, but for reality, it was 400 years of silence from God. And Simeon held on to a promise in the dark. I'm going to see the consolation of Israel. He had a hope and a dream, and as a result of that, it caused him to move by faith. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go to the temple. I have purpose in my life. I'm not going to sit in my recliner and veg. I'm not going to sit in my house and be a slave to everything. I'm going to get up. I've got purpose. I have a purpose that God has given me. There's something, there's a hope to live for. There's something I've got to see. And I'm getting up and I'm going to be led by the Spirit. And he goes to the temple and he does that. Verse 27, the second part says, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, what? You see, Jesus had been born at this point. He's coming up on like maybe eight days old. And Mary and Joseph bring the baby Jesus into the temple because they are doing what God called them to do, to bring a sacrifice for a firstborn boy. They're going to do what God called them to do, and they're walking into the temple with this baby. And who do they meet? Simeon. Simeon is in the right place at the right time because Simeon's walking by faith. Simeon's walking by promises. Simeon is doing what God called him to do. And boom, here is this moment where Simeon and Mary and Joseph and this little baby all meet. And this is the moment that Simeon had been waiting for. This is the moment 
When you're walking by faith and you're walking in promise, God will put you in the place you need to be at the right time to experience what he has for your life. Amen? He will. You don't have to wonder, oh my goodness, am I going to do the right thing? Oh my goodness, is this going to happen? Oh my goodness, i got to make sure I'm at this place. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? If you're living with, oh my goodness, you're not going to see the goodness of God. But if you're living with the promises of his goodness, you'll walk and do what God leads you to do and all of a sudden you'll say, Boom, here I am. I'm right in the spot God called me to be. He provided exactly what I needed at the right time, and I'm in the right place, and that happened for Simeon. That happened for Simeon. He meets the parents of Jesus in verse 28. It says, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. They give him the opportunity to hold the baby Jesus. This is why I said I'm not sure if he was just a guy or if he was actually one of the priests. If they're bringing him to him, and this is the moment they hand him over to him, and he holds in his hands the hope, the consolation of Israel, the light in the darkness, the Savior of the world, and Simeon is holding in his hands all that he has lived for and hoped for. That's what God will do when you trust him. That's what God will do when you put your hope in him. If Simeon would have been filled with all kind of despair and defeat and discouragement, he would have stayed home that morning. And he would have missed the opportunity to see the face of God. But because he was willing to have hope and believe what God said, he came face to face with a baby that was the son of God. And he recognized him as such. Before he had said a word, before he had performed a miracle, he recognized this is the consolation of Israel. Simeon is so moved by all of this that the scripture records for us what he said. Verse 29, it says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Scripture doesn't tell us how old Simeon was, but this verse makes me think he had more days behind him than he had in front of him. This verse makes me think he's closer to the sunset than the sunrise. This verse makes me think he had been waiting a long time, hoping, not just wishing, but believing and knowing God will answer. God will keep his word. God will be true. And he said, Lord, you have kept your word. You have kept your promises. And Lord, it's enough for me. I can, I can go on home now. I've seen the promise fulfilled. He didn't say, Lord, I really wanted to get one more house first. I wanted to get one more car I wanted to add one more zero to my salary. I wanted to get a few more hundred likes on my social media. He didn't say any of those things. He said, Lord, you kept your word, and it's enough. You have answered what I have longed for. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Lord, you, you have let me see the beginning of something incredible. You've let me see 
the beginning of what will change the hearts of my people Israel and all of those who are not Israel, us. Simeon in that moment saw the hope that you and I would experience as non-Israelites. Amen? He saw the hope that would save us. He'd been waiting for it. He believed it. And he saw it come to pass. Don't be afraid of a dream that God puts in your heart. Don't deny it. Don't discount it. If it's from the Lord, if it's from his word, if it's from his spirit, hold on to it. I don't care how impossible it may seem. Dreams of hope will always seem impossible. I don't care how much resistance there will be to it. Dreams of hope will always have resistance to them. I don't care how minuscule it seems. Dreams of hope always begin small. You claim that promise. You hold on to it. And you trust God. Amen? Hope always has a dream. Always. When you came to Jesus Christ, it came with a dream. A dream that you could know forgiveness. That you could have your sins washed away. It came with a dream of a better tomorrow. Nobody would have come to Jesus if he would have said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll put more burdens on you and make your life miserable. There would have been no line for that. But Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you relief. I'll give you a hope beyond what you're in today. And the gospel offers that kind of hope and a promise of faith and of change and of life here in this life. Hope always has a dream. But our faith also has a dream beyond a dream beyond this life. A dream of you and I, sins forgiven, face to face with God. Can you imagine the sinner and God face to face? And there be peace, and there be joy, and there be love. That is what the gospel invites us to a hope in that. And the Bible puts it in a picture that you and I can understand that kind of face-to-face -face closeness. It puts it in the picture of a wedding. One day, Jesus, the groom, will call for his bride, the church, and we will be taken to be with him for a marriage ceremony in heaven. Amen? And there we will be forever with the Lord. There we will be made one with him. There we will enjoy all of the riches that we did not deserve. 
and he and us will be one. So every time you see a wedding, it ought to be a reminder, not just of, oh, how sweet, but oh, how glorious, because that is what heaven will be. A man joined to his wife, and the two shall be made one. It's the real picture of what a wedding is. Now, today, we're about to experience that. You're going to see a man and a woman make their covenant before God to live as one. And it will be a picture of what awaits us in heaven. But I want to tell you this up front, and I'll tell you just a little bit more as we move along. This couple today is not just a picture of the hope beyond, but they're also a picture of hope in this life. You're about to meet Charles and Rebecca here in just a moment. And I'll just tell you up front, Charles and Rebecca are not spring chickens. They're from my age category, right? I can say that. And they've walked through some life. They've walked through some heartache. They've walked through some stuff that they wished had never happened. They've walked in some places that have been painful. But God spoke to them and called them out of those places of darkness and has worked in their life and I've had the opportunity to sit with them and talk with them and hear the story of God's work in their life. And so the picture today that you're going to see is of a hope beyond, but it's hope in this life of what God can do when two people will trust him with all their life. Amen? All right. So I'd like to pray, and then uh, we're going to get our wedding ceremony underway. Fair enough? Okay. They're telling me a little bit more time. All right, we can do this. Like, do you know how much more time? We're finding out right now. All right. So I'm just going to stall for a little bit. And um, let's see what else I haven't covered today. Maybe there's something else. And um, It's all good. God has a purpose. God has a plan. I'm just going to put this away. Let's do that. All right. Here we are waiting. Um, yeah, I'm confident. I'm just trying to see which way I want to go with all this here. Let me, let me do this. I, I, I really sense that God is... Um, is speaking to hearts and lives today. And so I don't want to miss this moment. Because I know how real it is that often as Christians we dismiss the dreams. We dismiss the hopes. It's easy to dismiss what you wish your marriage could be or what you wish your kids could be or what you wish your family could be. It's easy to dismiss that because you look at what you see around you and you think, it could never be. Am I right? It's easy to look at your job situation today. It's easy to look at our nation today and think, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how you spell that, but it's real, <laughs> right? But you and I are not called to evaluate God or the future based on the present. 
you and I are called to evaluate the future based on what God says and who we are in him. So, why don't you bow your heads for just a moment? Because I want this to be, I want this to be real and genuine and relevant today. So let me ask you this. This is just for you and God. Are there dreams that you've had in your life that you have chosen to ignore because you did not think they could ever come to pass? That's just between you and God. Have you dismissed them because they've seemed too big, too impossible? Does that dream still resonate in your heart today? Do you still wish and dream for something greater for your own life, for your marriage, for your kids, for your family? for your career. Would you say to God, God, I don't want to dismiss what you have called me to hold to by faith. And so today, I ask you, speak to my heart. Give me hope, faith, and a dream to believe. And God, I will believe you, trust you, and walk in following you with that dream. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the so very many people in Scripture who believed in something bigger than their moment, who believed by faith in you. I ask you today to do that work in us, that we might believe for something greater, that we might be a generation of dreamers, of hope-filled believers who have not given up, yielded, given in, turned ourselves over to our flesh, turned ourselves over to be enslaved by the stuff of this world, but instead to be a people of genuine faith who believe your promises, who believe your truth, who stand up as mighty warriors to proclaim truth and righteousness and hope and salvation in you. May we have that courage. May we have that strength. May we have that boldness. And may it light a fire in us grander than what we could imagine to push us forward in faith, to make us, whether we're in our young years or in our aged years, to still believe in a dream and a hope and to believe that you are good and to believe that you still restore and to believe that you still redeem broken things and that you still work in families and you still change hearts and you still move mountains and you still change what we think is unchangeable. God, may we be those who have that kind of faith that kind of confident hope. May we no longer be wishing people, but hope-filled people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
All right. I'm excited. I think we're getting close. We're almost ready. The guys are ready. The guys are ready. The ladies are almost ready. Almost ready. It's okay. The ladies understand that, right? And, and the guys do too. No, we don't. Just, just to be honest, we don't, but that's okay. All right, where'd my box? Yeah, here it is. Cool. So, um, I hate to give too much of the story away. So, uh, I met Charles, um, who you'll meet here in just a moment, uh, for the first time this past year at our Good Friday service that we had here. And um, he came in and... Uh, God was obviously working in his life that night, and he seemed a little uh, moved by all of it. And so I quickly went to him after the service, and it was obvious God was at work in his life and, and calling him to something new and fresh and showing him forgiveness and hope and uh, with great, great tears and great repentance and great faith, Charles began a new journey that night and following Jesus with his life and uh, I've been able to watch and have conversations with him since then and seen God continue the work and Charles be faithful in the work along the way and so um, as I met Rebecca as well I got to see the other part of his life and what God was doing in her and what was fresh and what was real and what was new and so when they told me there was a day that they wanted to get married, I said, well, I want to be a part of that. And our church wants to be a part of that. And I talked with our, our elders, and they said, let's, let's do this. Let's let it be a part of what we do here at Vertical. So I know it's not common to have a wedding inside a service on a Sunday morning, but we're going to do that this morning. Amen? It's going to be good. How are we doing back there? Do we have a bride? I'm going to take that. 30 seconds, wow, awesome. You ever heard that before, guys? Yeah. That happened to me and Heather just yesterday, so. But it was, um, as Andy Griffith says in a music video, I'm waiting on a woman, and it is worth it. Yeah, check it out. It's Andy Griffith and who? Who? Brad Paisley. Waiting on a woman. It's an older music video, but it's worth a watch. Yeah, you should. How are we doing back there? We're ready. Let's have a wedding.
Would you please rise? gives us bride today? My wife and I do. All right. Thank you very much. You may be seated. All right. You ready? Yeah. There we go. All right. Welcome. It's a special day today. It is. It's a beautiful day. It's a day of great hope, great prayers, and longing we've waited for, and God has been at work. As I mentioned earlier, Charles has walked through some difficult waters. There's been some days you regret, huh? Yeah, there's been some days of pain, but there's some days of hope ahead, and there's some days of sweetness that Jesus has brought into your life. There's some days in Rebecca's life that have been painful for her as well. It's some days of new, new hope and new love and new life in a family, in a marriage. And I've had the beautiful opportunity of sitting with you and talking through what God has done in your life and through some fresh things that he is doing. And we've talked through how he restores and what marriage should look like. We've talked about what it means now for you to love Rebecca in the same way that Jesus loves the church and lays down his life for her. And we've talked about what it looks like for Rebecca to love Charles as the church, following, leading, encouraging, admiring along the way. And so today, today is a picture of hope for all of us. As I mentioned earlier, a day of hope in what is to come, but a day of hope in what is now as well. And that God can make all things new. Now you've chosen vows for one another. So I'm going to ask for a microphone, and then Charles has his vows for Rebecca. We'll let Charles go. To the new Miss Rebecca Dane, God put us together on this day. 12 12-12-21. I'm thankful for you that you believe not in just the words that I speak. Back 19 months ago, now you see it in my walk. We have been putting God first and ourselves second. You see me go from a boy to a man. I seen you go from a broken lady to a woman who believes in God and in herself. Today, we come as one together in love with God to form a union that nothing can break. I can't give you the moon and stars, but I can give you the love that I know I, can, I have in my heart, mind, and soul. 
you helped complete this process and I love you to death. Do us part. When I am able to open doors, I will. I will always be there to pick you up when you fall. Your love is all I ask for and is all I need to keep in my heart. Thank you for not only believing in God, but in me as well. With love and compassion from your new husband, Charles Patrick Tang. Yeah. And Rebecca. His are better than mine. <laughs> I humbly give you my hand and my heart. You turned my sorrow into beauty. My loneliness into belonging. What I thought was once lost is found. I truly believe God makes no mistakes. If there is such a thing as a soulmate, I found that in you. When I feel like I don't have the exact words to say, trust me, they're on my heart. And I will put it into action. Mrs. Dane. That's beautiful. Thank you. So today we stand at this altar making a covenant before God. And what God joins together, let no man put asunder. And a new hope begins today. A new hope together, but a new hope even in why you exist. Because now family and friends will see you as married and will see what it looks like for Jesus to love us and for us to love Jesus in return. And for that, I'm grateful and excited for what is ahead for both of you. So, do you, Charles, receive Rebecca to be your lawful and wedded wife? Do you promise to love her, cherish her, protect her, provide for her, and forsaking all others to cleave unto her only as long as you both shall live? Do you, Rebecca, receive Charles to be your lawful and wedded husband? Do you promise to love him, honor him, follow his leadership, and forsaking all others to cleave unto him only as long as you both shall live? I do. Yeah. Now, you have rings for one another. If you'll place the ring on her finger. And repeat after me, with this ring, I pledge my love to you. All that I am and have, I freely give to you. In joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, in poverty or in wealth, so long as we both shall live. And Rebecca, you have a ring for Charles. Place that on his finger. There you go. Yeah, and repeat after me. With this ring. With this ring. I pledge my love to you. I pledge my love to you. All that I am and have. All that I am and have. I freely give to you. I freely give to you. In joy and in sorrow. In joy and in sorrow. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. In poverty or in wealth. 
so long as we both shall live. So long as we both shall live. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this couple. I thank you for your work in their life, how you have redeemed them, restored them, are making all things new in their life, and now you've called them together to be a picture to family, to friends, and everyone that sees them, what it looks like for Jesus to love us and for us to love Jesus. So I pronounce blessings upon them, peace upon them, hope upon them, their home, their family. That that might be a testimony of your grace and your life in their relationship. I thank you for family and friends that are here, that are hearing the gospel, that are hearing that hope is possible, that life comes in you. We thank you for this today and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Charles, you may kiss your bride. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Charles and Rebecca Dane. here at Vertical by me saying lift him up and you say live him out because that's what we're going to do this week in hope and in faith, right? Lift him up and? Amen. We'll see you all next week.